praise team, I want to say thank you for, for setting the mood. You know, I, I feel inspired. And I don't know if you've been pay- paying attention to the words that you were singing, but there's a theme here. You know, take my heart and form it. As you see the sermon title, it's called The Shadows of Your Heart. And each and every one of us has a shadow. And this phrase, shadow, when I think of shadow, I'm reminded of King Philip of Macedonia. Around 380 BC, I might be off by some years. He was a mighty king of Macedonia, and you might actually know his son even more than him, Alexander the Great. The story is, King Philip was gifted a wild horse that no one in his kingdom could tame. Uh, Alexander, before he became the conquering king to replace his dad, observed this untamed horse who would buck off its riders and trainers, who would injure soldiers and other people whenever they were in the pen with with this wild horse. Alexander just watched and observed, and then finally, when his dad said, we can't tame this horse, we're just going to have to kill it, Alexander said, Dad, can I have a try? But you're just a boy. What can you absolutely do that these trained trainers, what can you do that they cannot do? He said, Dad, let me just try it. So King Philip said, and he told his son, if you're able to tame this horse, you can keep him. So he goes out there. He's a teen, a young teen. And he goes to the horse, and the horse starts bucking and and throws its front legs up in the air, threatening to hit Alexander. But Alexander is not thrown off. He's not scared. He's not frightened by this. And he just slowly walks to his side, and the horse follows, uh, huffing and puffing, being aggressive, just continues and circles around until the horse no longer was violent, until the horse finally calmed down. And as the horse stayed calm for those few minutes, Alexander finally approached the horse with hands drawn out to show that he means no harm. He goes to the horse and he pets him. And the horse is no longer aggressive. He puts a saddle and he mounts the horse and shows to all the people of Macedonia and to his father, King Philip, that he has tamed this horse. What was Alexander's secret? Bocephalus is the name that he gave this horse. A big, a big, large-headed black horse he named Bocephalus. Bocephalus apparently was afraid of its shadow. And so what Alexander did was he turned the horse towards the sun so he couldn't see his own shadow. 
At least that's how legend has it. How accurate is that story? But what I do know is he rode, Alexander rode Bucephalus all the way from Macedonia into India. And without that horse, he would have never had that opportunity to conquer those lands. Shadows can be a very scary thing. This term, the shadows of your heart, it's a psychological term. It's a term that psychologists use. Uh, something that's a synonym to it uh, that has the same definition, shadows, is also blind spots. As you saw the children's story, it was about a blind spot. Not that the blind man had blind spots, but that the people who were making fun of the blind man, they were the ones with blind spots, even though they had eyes to see. So what is a blind spot? What is a shadow? Well, a shadow or a blind spot is something that you may not be aware of about yourself. It can be called a character flaw. It can be called a bad habit. It's something that comes out every now and then, especially when you're stressed, especially when there's change in life. And it comes out in a nasty way that family and friends won't hesitate to call you out on. But if you were to do it at work, it can threaten your job. If you were to do it in any other public place, people would freak out, right? So what is this blind spot or shadow that you might have? I know some Christians don't sit well when you mention psychology and theology should not mix. <laughs> some say science and theology should not mix. But if you read the Bible, there's a lot of science in this. You go to the book of Ecclesiastes, it says the cycle of water, right? Solomon was able to observe the cycle of water, that it goes, it gets absorbed by the sky and then it pours back down. That's science. If used correctly, science can further help us appreciate the Bible. So if we can understand psychology, if we can see it in its correct light, it would only enrich our understanding of who you are as well as who God is. There's a lot of psychology in the Bible. And there was a man that we've talked about a few weeks ago that was very in tune about the shadows in his heart. He was very in tune to the blind spots. He wanted to know the blind spots because he didn't want to make an accidental error in his relationship with others. This person is David. Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 139. 139. I shouldn't say 139 because that might be chapter 139. 39, although I don't think there is a 39 in chapter 1. But Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 and 24. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. David is the one who wrote this psalm. He says here, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if, there is an, is any, uh, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you hear the psychological words that David is using here? 
If he's saying, search me, that means he realizes there's something inside of him that needs to be brought out. He realizes there's a blind spot, God, in my life. There's a shadow in my heart that I need drawn out. And who's the one that's going to be drawing that out? Who's the one that's going to be Alexander drawing the fearful beast? It's not you yourself, but it's God. He asks God, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. This sermon is the start of a four-week series on self-awareness, on character development, on understanding your shadows and blind spots in life. He says in verse 23, search me, O God. You know, this idea of search, the first thing that comes to mind might be the fact that you misplaced your phone or you're heading out of your house and you realize I can't leave because I don't know where my keys are. So you're searching for your keys. You're looking for your wallet or your purse because you realize I can't leave the house with, without my driver's license. I can't leave the house without my money or my credit cards. Where is it? So you're searching, right? You're looking everywhere. By the way, side note, they, can, uh, now, they now have something called AirPods that you can attach to your keys and then you can find it with your phone if you don't lose your phone. <laughs> That's the catch. So good luck, <laughs> right? So that's searching. But this idea of search, if we're going to go with that definition, then it's like David is saying, I'm lost and find me. It's just, it's more than that though. See, the word that we need to look at here is not the English word search. We have to look at the Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word that David uses here is chagar, chakar, chakar which chakar really means you need to have this adverb on it. Is it adverb or adjective? Adjective. You need to have this adjective on it. It really means to thoroughly investigate. No, that's an adverb. To thoroughly investigate. That's what chakar means, to thoroughly investigate. So what he's asking God, David is saying, God, thoroughly investigate me. That's a different sense now. It's no longer looking for keys, but it's like a crime scene. This idea of chakar is more than just searching, but it is thoroughly investigating. So when you think of a crime scene, experts, detectives, crime scene investigators have to look for the very small minute details to figure out what happened in that crime scene. They have to use microscopes, they have to use luminescent lights and other tools and other means to determine in order to put the pieces of what happened in this crime scene. And David understands that there's no greater crime scene than sin. And you know David's story well a very sinful man. But credit to him that the one thing that he did right is that he always repented. He always looked for God's forgiveness. 
But he went beyond that. He, he didn't only ask for forgiveness. He didn't only ask for repentance. But he also wanted to change his character. He wanted to change who he was inside. He wanted to know, what are my shadows of my heart? What are my blind spots? So that I don't do this again. So I don't do this again. So thoroughly investigate me, oh God. The question that needs to be asked as well is, why do we even have blind spots? There's a lot of answers to that. Some of the answers that come, come to mind right now is, number one, it's upbringing. Uh, you know, I grew up in a very wonderful household. But uh, one of my parents, I'm not going to mention which one because he or she might be listening, uh, was a yeller. <laughs> not old yeller, but uh, would yell when she, oops, mom, I'm sorry, <laughs> communicated. I tried, I tried. When she would communicate her, her needs or wants. And she and I, growing up, because I learned from her, had one volume, loud. And when I got married to Bobby, she helped me understand the shadow of my heart. Our first year in marriage, I wanted to emphasize the need, at least I thought it was a need, for me to, you know, spend my own money. And she was saying, no, now that we're married, we need to talk about these things. And then I would raise my voice, not knowing that I was doing that. And one day she just said, why are you always yelling when we are just talking? And I had to pause, stop, reflect, and think. Sometimes it's upbringing. I'm not going to put any blame on anyone here at this moment. Just think about your own upbringing. Think about habits that you've developed through years that you might not even be aware of. Other reasons why there are blind spots is because culture, the environment, our culture today in Western civilization is, they say emotions are a bad thing. You don't want to feel that. Push it aside. And it's found in every area. We're in a hospital. I can't tell you how many times I've had to sit with nurses and physicians and, and EMT workers to help them sort their shadows and blind spots because they've become experts on pushing things aside. It's not healthy, though. You end up blowing up. You end up feeling the stress. Your body starts to feel it. Your heart starts to ache sometimes. And David understands this. That's why he says next, he says, Search me, thoroughly investigate me, O God, and know my heart. What does he mean by this, know my heart? Well, once again, I'm going to invite you to understand the Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word here for know is yada. Yada is used quite often in the Old Testament. It has a lot of synonyms to it. For one example, turn your Bibles with me. Keep your finger in Psalm. Turn your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. My translation has yada, but it's not translated as no in my, in my NIV. So we're going to read verse 1, chapter four, 4, verse 1. 
of Genesis. My translation, NIV, says, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Who has a KJV? Or who has a different... What's, what's your translation say, Stan? Okay, let's give that a try. Now, if you didn't hear Stan, what he read in his transla- uh, translation, you said NKJV? Yeah. NKJV. I have you have King James Version? Thank you. So it, it's the same word there. In Stan and, and Jonathan's Bible. Right. Yeah, so, so Stan and, and Jonathan's read new or no. Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. But mine says Adam lay with his wife. So what does that mean? But the same Hebrew word is used here for lay and for no. Yada. That means then yada is a very intimate word that is reserved only for those who are closest together. And there's no one that can be closest together than a spouse, a husband, and a wife. So when David says, going back to Psalm 139, he says, search me, thoroughly investigate, O God, thoroughly investigate me, O God, and know my heart, yada, my heart. What he's saying is, I want this personal, intimate relationship with you, God. I want you to investigate my heart so much that it's at this level, the level of pure love, pure relationship. Hmm. This takes humility to admit that you have a blind spot. This takes humility to admit that you have a shadow of your heart. But I have to say it again, like I said at the very beginning, Each and every one of us has blind spots. What's your blind spot? As David is mentioning here, he says, I want you to know my heart. Well, what does the Bible say? How does the Bible describe heart? In Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah chapter 17, the heart is described as something... 17 verse 9, Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Verse 10, I the Lord search the heart. That's another word of, uh, that's another use of kakar right there. I the Lord kakar the heart and examine the mind. So here in scripture, Jeremiah says that the heart is, is deceitful. It's deceitful. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26, Ezekiel 36, 26, this verse says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart, I will, I will remove from you your heart of stone. So we, the book of Ezekiel describes the heart as one that is stone. Does that seriously, literally mean that there's a person walking out there with a stone? No. What this means is 
Someone with the heart of stone is someone who is stubborn. Stubborn. So just with those two examples, going back to the book of Psalm, just those two examples, we see that the heart can be deceitful. We see that the heart can be stubborn. What's your blind spot? What's your shadow? Was David deceitful? Yes, he was. You know his story with Bathsheba, Uriah, and his commander, Joab. That's perhaps the definition of deceitful to what David did. Is your heart stubborn? At least when the prophet Nathan went to David to rebuke him, David listened. So maybe that wasn't his shadow of his heart. It seemed like it was more of a deceitful heart. What's your shadow? You might be asking yourself right now, well, how do I even find out what the shadow of my heart is? What's my blind spot? Here are some ways to find out what your blind spot is. You go to a well-trusted person, like using Bobby again as an example, use your spouse. Ask your spouse, tell me, what are some of my blind spots? And he or she will tell you. Now, because you asked, what, you sh what should you do? <laughs> you sh Bill, <laughs> you should listen. And you should receive it with grace. <laughs> you should receive it with patience. Just because you asked and then your spouse says, well, you get angry and you blow your lid just like that, don't blow your lid. <laughs> Listen, accept it. So ask a trusted friend. Ask someone that's really close to you. Ask a professional, a therapist, a counselor, a pastor who knows you well. Or even if they don't know you well, there are therapists who, who know how to ask certain questions to pull it out of you. Another way to find out is this. This helped me out a lot. I'm not going to shy from the fact that I am that one that blows my top. I can go from, like this, from, from calm to, to angry really fast, although I'm a lot better today because I learned what the shadow of my heart was. And how does scripture help me? Well, I love to read the Bible verses. I love to read Bible stories. I love to read stories of uh, characters that struggled with anger. I'm going to use myself as an example. Anger was my shadow. So I read stories like Peter lashing out and uh, striking, that so, uh, tr striking that Roman soldier with his sword, right? I looked at that and I read it. And when you read scripture in this respect, what you need to look at is how does this help that person with this anger issue? If depression, sadness is your shadow, Jeremiah's story is one of uplift, is one of inspiration. What if it's lust? What if it's the fact that you just want to be right all the time? 
That was another shadow of Peter's, actually. He needed to be right all the time. He needed to be the expert. But he had to go through the crucible. He had to go, what? Uh, he walked with Jesus for three years, and not until after Jesus died, that's when he finally got the big picture. That's when he truly started to understand the shadow of his heart. He had a lot of shadows. He was stubborn. He was also prejudiced. He didn't un finally understand that the Gentiles were to receive the Holy Spirit, not until the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 11. We talked about that months ago. So what is the shadow of your heart? Those are some quick, helpful ways to determine what your shadow could possibly be. The fourth one. So the first one is go to a trusted friend or trusted family member. Go to a professional, a pastor, a, a counselor, a therapist. And then the third one, go to scripture. The fourth one fourth one is important. It's what David is doing here. He's praying. He's praying that the Holy Spirit may enlighten his mind, may enlighten his soul. Investigate, thoroughly investigate me, O oh God, and know my heart. The last point I want to make here for this is the why. Why would David even ask such a thing? I think it wasn't just for growth, personal growth. I think it's for something else. And I'm going to go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and we're going to close with this thought. Psalm 51, while I'm turning my Bible there, and you're turning your Bible there, I'll give you a background, a context to it. Psalm 51 is very specific, a very specific prayer. David wrote this prayer right after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. So this prayer is specific to that event. When he learned of his shadow of his heart, when Nathan presented it to him, this is the prayer he wrote out of repentance and for desire of forgiveness but also for the willingness to grow. He wrote in verse 10, he says in verse 10, Psalm 51, verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. If anything, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Here's the other, and here's a reason why he also wanted a change in heart. He says in verse 13, Then I will teach trans transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. He realizes just as much as I hope you and I realize that we're an open book for others to learn about God, for others to see God in us. And David understood this, and he realized that the shadow that he had in his heart robbed a man of his life, robbed a woman of her freedom, 
he couldn't live with himself. And he realized that he was the sinner that needed to be forgiven. And so that he could live his life according to God's will moving forward. So that others may turn back to God as well. The following weeks, we'll explore each of these sentences on Psalm 139. But for today, I wanted us to focus on this, that my prayer is that this is your prayer. My hope is that this is your prayer. Psalm 139, I'm going to read it again. Search me, O God, and know my heart. May you be open to him sharing that with you. 